You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. I hope everyone's having a great week so far. This week, we do have a good buddy of mine, Greg Miller, on the show. Greg is actually out of my market in Syracuse, New York. We connected via Bigger Pockets. We got together, picked each other's brains a little bit. And I think Greg has a lot of knowledge on the small multifamily space. So he's going to be talking a little bit about that today on the show. If you guys are enjoying the show, a free way to show your appreciation is go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, write us a review, tell us how much you do enjoy the show. It always helps out to uh, get this out to other listeners as well. Hope you guys enjoy the show today. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I've got a special guest, a good buddy of mine, Greg Miller. Uh, Greg is actually out of my market in central Syracuse, New York. Uh, we met up, had a, a few chats. He's great. We connected through Bigger Pockets, and I really liked what he had to say and his story and his investing strategies. So I was like, listen, man, we uh, got to get you on the show here. So, Greg, thanks so much for being on the show this morning. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dante. Uh, really excited to, to be here. Um, uh, so my name's Greg Miller, uh, local investor uh, in Syracuse, New York. Um, I am a, by day, I'm a, a full-time uh, engineer, so I still have, do have a full-time W-2 job. Um, but now in the last few years, I uh, kind of started real estate investing about six years ago um, with a, a kind of a, a slow and steady plan to, to buy small multifamilies and, um, you know, and, and keep growing. Uh, and in the last couple of years, now I'm up to 17 properties and 32 units uh, and really, uh, with another 20 units under contract now, uh, looking at you know breaking that 50 unit mark and getting to the point where I can kind of um, you know be that that kind of passive income uh, to meet all our uh, um, lifestyle objectives and uh, and just uh, you know really excited uh, about real estate and and uh, you know keep uh, keep talking about it and and being around people who really love it. Yeah, no, that's great. So. I don't mean to say this, but you're a pretty normal guy. You know, you have your W-2 job, wife, kids, all that good stuff, but you're also knocking out investment properties, taking them down little by little, one by one, pretty quick. So today I really wanted to kind of take you, like everyone else that's looking to, you know, invest or in, is now, I want to say you're professional investing because you, you have more units than the average investor. Uh, they're cash flowing. You know, we've discussed how well they perform. So let's talk about a little bit about that. How did you get started in this first? So when you, how'd you find real estate investing? What was that kind of click in the light bulb that said, you know, I want to get into this? Sure. Uh, so from, from the, uh, from the start, I mean, I, I'm being an engineer by, by trade, you know, very, uh, very cautious, very careful, uh, you know, started with kind of the, the, the personal finance mold. So, I mean, I was doing net worth statements when I was 22 years old. I know you're a relatively young guy, but you know, right out of college, you know, you, you read that millionaire next door kind of book and really just, you know, start with, with playing good defense and, you know, just a good discipline, uh, you know, personal finance background. Uh, and uh, from, from the engineer in me, you know, it, it's, it's ready, uh, uh, you know, ready, ready, and then, uh, you know, aim a little bit and then, then fire. <laughs> so, you know, certainly a lot of, uh, a lot of learning on the front end, uh, but I actually had a, had a mentor, uh, my, my real, one of my, uh, agents that I work with, uh, she had a, a number of units. She started buying them when she was about 20 years old and really powered through. And they were in, in kind of similar areas to me. She had a, a similar philosophy to me. So 
you know, really, um, you know, kind of took her playbook and, and, and asked her a lot of questions uh, and then really just started looking for, you know, a small multifamily uh, off the MLS, you know, probably looked for about a year. Uh, and then back in 2014 found, um, you know, a, a duplex uh, um, in a, a nice, nice stable neighborhood uh, for $78,000 and pulled the trigger. And, uh, you know, that kind of got me started on the journey. That's great. Now that first duplex you bought for 78,000, was that work that needed? Was it turnkey? Were there tenants in place? And, and how did you find this deal? I, I think you said MLS. Uh, did you do conventional financing? How did that all look? Break it down for us. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was kind of a, your, your conventional deal. So it was conventional financing, put 25% down. I found it on the MLS and I've really been looking for quite some time. So I, I had looked at probably you know, 20 or so properties um, before this, you know, over the course of a year. So there was a lot of looking and when something kind of fit, uh, you kind of, you kind of knew it going in. Um, but there wasn't a ton of work. Uh, really, it was, it was fairly move-in ready. Both units were occupied, but you know, the first one, you, you don't know how it's supposed to go. And uh, right. at, at, it was supposed to be, you know, dually occupied, you know, both the upstairs and downstairs. Uh, and I went through the final walkthrough the day of closing and the upstairs unit had been vacated. Apparently the previous owner said, oh, that's okay to break your lease and leave. Um, so the day of closing, I'm talking to my attorney and actually we ended up getting um, the remaining two months that were supposed to be on the lease in escrow um, that my attorney ended up holding. And we ended up you know, getting, that, getting that money um, because I did want to do some upgrades. So you know, uh, really uh, helped use that money to, to do the turn kind of, if you will, and then kind of get my own person in there. Um, you know, and go through our, our screening process um, to get a, get a good new tenant in there. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice little cushion to have though, those two months there to help you kind of get ball rolling, especially your first property. Like you said, you don't really know what you're getting into right away until you actually get into it. Um, for, for your units, what are you doing? Are you doing anything special inside your units that sets you apart from others? Or is there a certain style of unit you have where you go with stainless steel appliances like a grand or quartz, you do like more of a laminate, like what grade are you at? Sure. Um, it's a good question. Uh, so really, you know, looking for kind of tenant proof quality, um, you know, not okay. looking for, for high end. I mean, really my, my philosophy is buy and hold. So my whole period is forever, uh, you know, being relatively young, I'm, I'm 35, been doing this for you know, six plus years um, and have grown fairly quickly, but I intended to, you know, I love real estate. I intend to do it for the rest of my life. So um, you know, I, I want something, I, it's not like I'm you know, trying to get to a five or 10 year mark and, you know, want, you know, the, the units to kind of match that. And then, you know, I'll sell out before the CapEx hits, if you will, uh, you yeah. know, from, from my perspective, it's, you know, we're holding forever. So let's make these, these durable properties. So, I mean, I'm more focused, you know, maybe it's the engineering side of me, but you know, on the components. So, you know, you know, make sure the, you know, the plumbing, the HVAC is in good shape, make sure you have a good, good roof. So really if the roof has less than 10 years of useful life left, you know, I'm looking at replacing roofs, you know, kind of getting the, the, the basements clean and dry glass block uh, windows on, on the mm -hmm. foundation um, uh, walls. So really looking at, at that from the, from the interior side, um, looking at doing a lot of um, luxury vinyl tile, um, LVT kind of throughout, you know, maybe some ceramic tile in, in the kitchens and baths. Um, and really looking, you know, to put the money mostly into the kitchens and baths. Um, of course, know, yeah, those are definitely of, the sellers. Yeah, get, get rid of all carpet. I uh, really don't, don't like carpet from, from the standpoint of, of tenant proofing. I know some people like, uh, you know, carpets in the bedrooms, but I, I feel they can put area rugs in and such. You know, really just making it, you know, a nice, clean, uh, livable 
um, standpoint. I am starting to go a little bit higher end on the, you know, kitchens and baths. I mean, they, they kind of they sell properties when you're actually looking at sales and they, they really right. attract tenants, um, you know, even on the rental side. So looking to go a little bit, if you're going to put the money in to do it in the kitchens and bathrooms and, um, you know, so, so that's, that's kind of where I've, where I've been headed. Yeah, no, I like that how you said tenant proof because that's really good and that's what people need to understand that you can't just put in the top of the top in every unit and hope for the best and get the best tenants. You really have to do make it tenant proof because if you're in carpeting, you're most likely changing those carpets every one to two turnovers. Uh, certain flooring, you know, a lot of times you do have to repaint these units just because you don't know of the, the wear and tear that goes on. That's stuff you can't handle, but luxury vinyl tile, all that, or uh, plank, all that good stuff that you're using that's pretty important too, because that's going to last a little bit longer. So I like that. Um, how did you start to scale? So like you said, you started in 2014, you picked up the pace pretty quick. The amount of properties you're taking down and the amount you've got 20 units under contract now, but like I said, you, you've got a family, you're W2. So a lot of people on here can relate to you like that. What advice would you give to someone to just scale like you did pretty quickly? Yeah. So it, it's a lot of work uh, behind the scenes. So, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, kind of getting my, my mind right, you know, into my early and mid twenties, you know, kind of that good base of, you know, personal finance and, you know, uh, financial freedom and, and reading those kind of books just to kind of have a good base and what I'm looking to do. You know, when I, when I did start getting into real estate, I, again, I, I mentioned slow and steady, you know, the, the tortoise and the hare, the, the, you know, the tortoise wins every time. So my plan was to buy a small multifamily, Initially, I really liked small multifamilies a little bit better than like a single family house. Just, you know, the, the returns are a little bit higher, um, but I've kind of actually gone the other way on that. You know, some, some of the intangibles that really a single family house uh, brings uh, a little bit longer you know, tenant duration and, and different things like that. So, you know, 2014, you know, bought a place, uh, 2015. So the, the first one in 2014 was a duplex, bought a, a four unit property in 2015, 2016, bought another duplex. So, you know, it was kind of at the three property eight unit mark and was on that kind of slow and steady uh, pace. Um, 2017, I had a couple things fall out of contract, um, which was, was kind of disappointing. And then 2018, I just bought one single family house in December. Uh, so really, you know, at the end of 2018, you know, um, you know, it's probably 18 months ago, I was at four properties, nine units, uh, now being at, you know, uh, approaching 50. So really it was, it was the slow and steady um, up to a certain point. And then really just a lot of things hit. So, you know, I, I was, I was really trying to get out there, you know, going to, to uh, real estate association meetings, you know, really doing some, some pretty aggr aggressive networking, uh, dealing with a whole bunch of, of different agents who, you know, know that, um, that I'm going to deliver and close and really just try to get my banking relationship strong um, and really kind of do all those things. Uh, and then, you know, some of the, the direct mail we did kind of all, all panned out very quickly. So, you know, really 2019 was a year of huge growth. Um, and then really just trying to set up my systems better, you know, get a, get a nice professional website set up, you know, really um, just, just pay to, to, to kind of um, set up the business model. So when I did scale, you know, it, it was very well um, systematized and, and it was easy to kind of bring properties right into the, that system um, to, to, to kind of keep buying uh, through everything. So um, yeah, could go any, any, anywhere you'd like to, right. To you know, with, that, with some of the... I, I want to touch on, uh, on funding for these properties. So like you said, 2019, you really, you took down a lot of units. You took down a lot of properties and that's great. Were you doing the conventional 20% down? Were you commercial lending? Were you switching the title into the LLC? Were you doing private money? What do we have going on? So I'll, I'll do the, the PSA, you know, I'm not a, a taxer <laughs> or <a legal laughs> professional, so yep. consult them. 
but so, you know, in talking it through, you know, doing a lot of research myself, um, started, it was all, you know, 25% down conventional financing, um, and looking. So I, I did set up an LLC company fairly quickly. You know, now I have multiple ones just from a, uh, a risk standpoint, just to, to not tie everything together. So, you know, I have four different LLCs now, um, uh, two of which are kind of the primary ones, and then one of which is, is with a partner. Uh, but they're all simple. It's 50-50, my wife and I, uh, you know, and I do kind of the, all the day-to-day -day operations. But so we do, uh, you know, title transfer. Um, if it's a conventional uh, loan, you know, after closing, really the same day, execute a, a quick claim deed uh, and then title transfer over to the LLC company. And, you know, I know people are worried about the due on sale clause. Um, I've actually had used a, a great local credit union um, for my first six loans and they don't keep them in house. So they've been sold to kind of the, the big national bank um, type, type, uh, type lenders. And, and uh, you know, th there's always the question when you send in like insurance docs, it's going to say the LLC company name as, as the insured. Right. Um, so I, you know, I've sent these documents to, you know, Wells Fargo as a couple of my mortgages and it's never been an issue. So, you know, I, I'm not recommending it. It's right for everyone. But for me, that really wasn't, uh, wasn't an issue as far as, you know, uh, uh, funding, you do realize pretty quick, uh, there's a great book, um, uh, called the goal and they kind of talk about, it's more of a business book in general, but they talk about, uh, you know, finding what your bottleneck is. And to me, you know, the bottleneck's money. It's right. always money, no matter, you know, how uh, well endowed, you, you know, you may be before you start real estate, you know, at some point you're going to run out of money, um, you know, in the deals you can buy. So, you know, freeing those things up. Um, so uh, on one of the, the more interesting transactions that I bought um, kind of that year was a, a commercial loan. It was a package of four single family houses uh, on a commercial loan, um, which, you know, uh, freed things up. Uh, a little bit. Again, it, it was still, you know, putting 20% down on that. Um, but, you know, kind of since then, I've really tried to scale in and done, taken some private investors on uh, and done some different things. Um, one nice thing I've done is, is gotten into uh, self-directed IRAs to be able to tap into um, some of that money and really, you know, with, with other people, uh, we all have self-directed IRAs so we can invest in each other's deals. So that's a really great source of capital. Um, you know, for, for these deals to continue to scale and grow. That's great. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you went over the, the funding there and how you're not going to own properties, taking many different avenues, different ways to fund. You mentioned direct mailer. When did you start getting into that? So we, we dabbled a little bit. My, my, my partner and I kind of knew that, you know, direct mail, you, you keep hearing it on, on all these podcasts and, you know, it's, you know, the, to get uh, consistent deal flow, you need to be, you know, sending out, something, whether it's direct mail or whether, you know, pay-per-click or, you know, different, you know, there needs to be some kind of a, a funnel, if you will, to, right. to really get those leads in the door. Uh, so, you know, sent a first mail piece in 2017. Uh, and, and really it was a, it was a pretty small list. It was, you know, apartments kind of in and around the, the suburbs of Syracuse, you know, maybe sent out a couple hundred um, uh, pieces. And then really in um, September of 2019, really tried to get a a good targeted driving for dollars list in my core area. So there's kind of two main neighborhoods, um, you know, that, that I invest in. So really trying to hone in and kind of be, you know, get a lot of mail out there in those target neighborhoods. So, uh, you know, now we've mailed those, those same people uh, three times, kind of hitting them on a cycle. And really, um, you know, the, most of the deals now are coming off market from the direct mail. Uh, and it's, you know, you never know when that letter and that letter may sit on someone's coffee table for, two years. 
uh, and then they may call and, and, and be interested in selling. So uh, right. that's, that's really been the most consistent deal flow between that and the networking. Uh, and now I, you know, having uh, 11 finance properties, you know, I'm kind of, um, I can't get the, the Fannie and Freddie financing anymore. So I am looking more at whether it's, you know, commercial financing and different things. Um, one thing I should mention, I did a really kind of unique thing. I, I didn't, it's a very unique banking product that, um, you know, I was surprised the bank would be interested, but um, the three first properties I purchased had pretty good equity. There was some appreciation. I generally, you know, bought them under market, um, but there was a, a local credit union here who was willing to actually go up to a 90% loan to value and basically do a HELOC on those three properties. So there's technically three loans, but, you know, I had some, I, I um, do 15 year fixed uh, mortgages on all my properties. I know there's different schools of thought on that, but right. you know, I, I really like the thought of, of building it uh, fairly quickly. I think um, Gary Keller in the book, uh, the, the Millionaire Real Estate Investor shows, you know, that, that marginally, um, uh, you know, the 15 year uh, fixed gives you a little bit higher overall rate of return than the 30 year fixed. But, you know, for people looking to cash flow and maybe, you know, quit their W2 job, uh, you know, the 30 year, you know, provides, could provide a lot more cash flow. So right, really you're going no, for the equity play. Sure. Yeah. Equity. And then at some point, you know, being relatively young, you know, if these things are paid off, they're really going to cash flow like crazy. Uh, so that, that was kind of my thought, but you know, that, that uh, HELOC, if you will, really um, freed up about $200,000. Uh, so it was an amazing amount of equity to me. Uh, you know, and a lot of it was, you know, capturing those down payments, putting 25% down, kind of recapturing that. But, you know, these properties, for example, we're talking about the first property I bought, $78,000, that property uh, appraised at 124000 So to be uh -huh. able to pull 90% of that. So, you know, yeah, a little higher leverage on those three properties, but, you know, to, to free 200000 I mean, that that was, you know, down payments on another, um, you know, really probably eight or so properties. Uh, so really that, that allowed me to scale very quickly. Uh, and, and with interest rates being where they are, uh, you know, I, I joke with, with some friends and acquaintances, I, I take, you know, two, $3 million and, you know, fixed rate debt uh, and this kind of climate, uh, you know, you want to check those, um, uh, your loan to value ratios kind of on the whole portfolio, make sure you're not over leveraged. Um, but the, the Syracuse, New York market, it's, it's not exciting, but it's, it's certainly uh, not a, a lot of appreciation here, but it is very stable. Uh, and really with the, the housing uh, bubble in some areas, you know, Syracuse has, has kind of been, uh, has not seen a lot of that. It's just kind of your-, your Don't tell people that. You got people <laughs> listening all over the world in here. <laughs> no. Okay. no, you're right though. Like the, the fixed, you know, the fixed rates right now, if you can lock in X amount of dollars in debt at the moment, what if interest rates went up at five points, you know, in 10 years, you know, you've locked in that super low, low threes, low fours interest rate, which is really, really important. Uh, and that can affect your cash and cash. That can affect your investment returns greatly. Uh, swinging back to what you're talking about with direct mailers, you said you, sometimes you send up to three postcards per house. When do you, uh, a full campaign, one, two, and three letters that you're sending your postcards or however you're doing it, do you see the most results off that third one? Or do you see like maybe the second one, you're getting a decent amount of results? Or where do you start to see that your, your money's hitting and people are starting to reach out to you? So it really, I know they, they say maybe it's on like the sixth or seventh touch point that it really takes to kind of get that, uh, you know, critical uh, mass, if you will, um, to really start to get the leads. I saw it pretty quickly. So the first mail campaign, you know, the response rate was, you know, 
seven, eight percent, you know, really high response rate. You know, so we do letters. Uh, uh, I know the, the postcards are very popular. The letters are a little bit, um, you know, more expensive, but it was really relatively, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, five or six hundred pieces here. It's not a huge campaign. So, you know, it's a pretty simple, you know, driving for dollars, get some addresses. I, I do have uh, a part time assistant who does really does these campaigns for me. Uh, and, and so, you know, have her do a mail merge and, and send out the letters. So, you know, you're mainly talking, you know, a little bit of time, uh, and really time to pull all the information, do a mail merge and, and get them sent out. Um, so you're really looking at, you know, the cost of a stamp, you know, plus a little bit. So, um, but you know, you never know. I mean, I, I just had, you know, I, I have a couple of duplexes under contract now, uh, both off market and they were calling in reference to an old letter, even though they've received a, a newer letter than that. Right. Um, but they, they had the letter there and they said, you know, it, it, it's, we received it and it wasn't the time to sell then, but you know, now it is. And so we saved it and called you up and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's really been the, the best deals I've been able to find, um, because you're not competing. Um, right. Yeah. There's less competition in the marketplace there. Yeah. Um, and, and I just did a pretty hefty matter campaign you received a few of mine as well. Didn't you? I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Being in the same market. So uh, uh, just quick side note, anyone that's looking to do a direct marketing campaign, shoot me a message. I, I work with an affiliate company that can actually get you a discount on your mailers. So if you're looking to do that in your market, they do anywhere in the United States. So let us know on that. Um, but going back. Yeah. So I just did a, a pretty hefty mailer about just shy of 2000 and I probably had about 60 responses now, which is a great response rate. That's almost 3%, I believe. Um, or if not 3%. So I've been pretty satisfied with that. And like you said, with direct mailers going with less competition, cause it's off market, the whole world isn't there to see it. And someone that's not going to put in the work to do the drive for dollars, take down the address, uh, take the time or the money to mail them something. Uh, you don't have to deal with that individual. So I think that's definitely a, uh, a really smart approach. What does a uh, typical day look like for you when you're doing your investing, doing your job, how do you balance the two? Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I really, again, do have a full-time W2 job. I also have, you know, two young kids. I have a son who's four, a daughter who's two. Um, you know, I live about, uh, I live kind of in the country. Uh, that's more my, my wife's uh, lifestyle. So, you know, a little bit of a commute uh, in the morning. So, you know, really um, it, it is a, a busy day and a lot to pack in. So I start early. Uh, I'm a big uh, proponent of the miracle morning. Uh, so I wake up at four o'clock every morning. Uh, so I really try to get a couple hours in kind of, you know, that first hour or two on mindset and maybe on some lingering tasks really to have, have some, some bonus time, uh, you know, on those key things that are moving, you know, my business uh, forward. Uh, so that, that's really how, how I start uh, the day and then, you know, shuffle the kids off to, to daycare, you know, get in, into my office here. And then, uh, you know, the nice thing uh, about my, my day job, and maybe I, I still really enjoy it and don't foresee making a change. Uh, is that, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of manage a, a small segment of our business. So, you know, it's a consulting engineering firm, but uh, from, from my day in, day out, I oversee, you know, construction projects, big, you know, bridge and, and roadway, um, heavy highway construction projects. And really, I, I always joke that I'm, I'm a couple levels removed from the actual work. So I oversee a number of, of staff members who then oversee construction projects. So I'm kind of, you know, the, the manager of, of that group of the company. Uh, so a lot of flexibility. I'm on the road quite a bit, uh, but it gives me a lot of opportunity to, you know, make calls uh, with regards to the real estate stuff and, and, and really to be able to, to have that flexibility if I need to pop out 
to a property and look at something or look at new properties. I do have a lot of flexibility uh, to do that. Um, and then there's 24 hours in a day. So, you know, you get home and, you know, in the evenings, you know, once the kids are in bed, uh, never a bad idea to, you know, get another hour there uh, just to, to keep moving things forward. Um, so a lot of, a lot of grit and perseverance, but I, you know, I don't know any other way. I really do. I uh, think uh, you know, so many people want to get into real estate investing, uh, but they don't quite want the hard work. Uh, right. You know, I, I really lean into that, to that hard work uh, and really do enjoy it. Um, so to me, it's, you know, I, I, to, to, you get, you get these, you get to a point and even with me, it really is. So with, with these 20 units I have under contract, you know, looking at it, I'm a big proponent of profit first. There's a really great book by Mike McCallowitz. It talks about, you know, making sure, you know, business owners so often forget that profit is the whole point of the business. So right, yeah. you know, I look kind of look at a motto where, you know, basically it's, it's 10% profit for myself and my wife as the owners of the business. And then another 10% kind of as our, the salary, if you will, because I self-manage all the entire portfolio again with systems. I have assistants, I, I have outsourced leasing uh, and really all maintenance. I kind of have a maintenance arm, um, you know, it's kind of self-sufficient who does all my maintenance. Um, but, uh, but from that standpoint, you know, you look at, at a point with 50 units, right, it would be right around that 10,000 a month, um, you know, uh, if you will, both between the profits and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the self-management, um, you know, uh, compensation, if you will. So, but, but to me, I'm not moving, you know, I'm moving towards this cause I'm excited about it, but I'm not, you know, actively looking to, you know, escape the rat race, if you will. I, I really take satisfaction from my job. My wife's an engineer, you know, it's something that we can, uh, you know, share um, and, and have that kind of common thread together. So, you know, at this point, I'm just, just really excited about, you know, continuing to grow and, and, and what may lay ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. And what programs do you use to manage your properties? I know you said you self-manage with, you know, different arms out, you know, leasing, maintenance on the properties. So you don't really have a property manager, but what programs are you using to keep track of everything? I mean, with the amount of units you have, you can't just put pen on paper and just hope for the best. You know, you got to be a little more organized than that, I would imagine. Sure. And, and I, it started that way. You know, I was the spreadsheet master. Uh, and, but when you get to it, you, you know, you have a, an individual, you know, maybe a, a cash flow spreadsheet you know, for your income and expenses by property, you know, you, you get up to, to 10 different spreadsheets, you know, you, you have to think there's a better way to do this. Yep. Uh, and, and really, you know, it was becoming quite cumbersome to try to track income and, and expenses at that point. So uh, I did uh, bite the bullet last fall and actually uh, invested in Buildium. So I, it's, it's a great software platform. There's been a few little things that haven't kind of worked out as, as I would like, but for the hub, it is just, it makes everything so much, so much easier. Uh, you know, it's got a, it's even got like an iPay feature where I, I think I've at like 40% of my tenants are, are paying right on the system. Um, that's so that, that's, that's really nice. I mean, it's taking out the, you know, kind of the, the pain point of, you know, depositing checks in the bank to really, you know, trying to push uh, one, it's much easier to track. I kind of had an, an aha moment. Uh, you know, so, so recently um, uh, under contract, you know, again, mostly from direct mail, but, uh, on a 15 unit, uh, two duplexes and a single family house. And, you know, you're going through the loan application process, never really a, a fun thing to do, but, uh, you know, one of the things they wanted was a kind of a universal rent roll on all properties, all LLC companies, everything I own. And, you know, you go to reports, it's even got a nice logo on it. And what normally, you know, would, would take quite a bit of time, uh, you know, going through and kind of creating something that looked professional, 
uh, you know, you can do it about 15 seconds. Uh, and then really, you know, just keeping, keeping up with it. It is a lot, you know, there's a lot of income and expenses when you talk about, you know, 32 units, there's a lot of projects, you know, the, the housing stock in, in upstate New York is definitely older. So you, there is some maintenance um, that, that needs to be done. But, you know, another uh, thing the lender asked for was, was a year, kind of a year to date income and expense uh, report or, you know, profit loss statement. And again, you know, click a couple buttons, whip it up, uh, and, and it's right there. So, I mean, that, you know, in the, in the day of spreadsheets, to try to make something that looked professional uh, for a bank, I mean, that would have been a whole day exercise. And, and to be able right. to do those things, you know, it, it, it's kind of said an aha moment. That's, that's you know, oh, that, that's why I, you know, you know spent the money on, on Buildium and really wanted to try to run this like a real business. So, um, you know, as far as other, uh, other systems, you know, really trying to get away from it all being through me, you know, not wanting to be the bottleneck myself. So I do have a part-time assistant, uh, probably working uh, 10 to uh, 15 hours a week, usually, um, you know, doing whether it's the new direct mail campaigns. Uh, she actually, we have a kind of a, a filing system using Dropbox uh, for, for all the property stuff so that she, you know, we can both see it and, and save things in real time. So whether, you know, I get a receipt or someone on my team gets a receipt, you know, my, my assistant will, will input them into Buildium uh, and, and kind of, you know, filter into the system that way. Uh, and then really one thing I'm, I'm actively working on is trying to, to, to use a, a better CRM system uh, for the direct mail just to, to make sure, uh, you know, once things are in the system, we're not uh, missing any opportunities on good potential off-market leads. So really just trying to, to systematize the business on every level. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things about Billium, honestly. They're one of the leader, leaders in that space for real estate. And I'm actually looking forward to using them here soon. I'm trying to make the switch because I'm a pretty hardcore spreadsheet guy myself. I've, I've got them all. Um, but Billium's pretty good. Can you do automatic uh, rental payments on Billium, like reoccurring rental payments? Or does it not allow you to do automatic? And the, That's awesome. the tenant portal. So Billium, you know, this is not a, not a sales pitch for Billium, but it does have a lot <laughs> of nice features. Uh, you know, so, so the, the tenants actually, it's got a really nice app. Uh, so if, when, when rent comes in, I can, uh, you know, a couple clicks of the, of the phone and, you know, show that, that the rent has been received. It updates on, on the, the tenants portal. They've kind of have a se separate login. They can see, um, see all their, uh, all their account information. And it's, it's really nice. And one of the, the, the nice things, New York state in their uh, infinite wisdom, really one of the, the, the least uh, landlord friendly states. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, really in the country uh, and, and with new legislation really uh, passed last summer, uh, it's getting even more so. And one of the requirements is you, you have to be uh, sending tenants an actual statement every month when rent is received. Uh, oh. So you, you, know, you click a button right in Buildium and it does it automatically. So it sends them an email. You have all the tenant information on file. And really it's been seamless for me. I mentioned uh, you know, leasing and, and maintenance are the, the kind of the initial pain points for me and self-managing. So, you know, my, my leasing agent is actually a broker locally here um, and he uses Buildium. So it really integrates well. You know, you can collect applications and do the tenant screening process. Uh, and actually, you know, you're only allowed to charge, I think it's $20 um, for, right, yep. you know, for the, the credit background checks. Most of the time, you know, we'll put you in the red on what it's actually costing you to, to do that uh, application right. processing. Buildium has good relationships where they keep the price, you know, so it's, it's not a, a, you know, a losing endeavor uh, to, to do the credit and background check. So really it is a kind of a seamless uh, process. And then, 
you know, on the one of the features I haven't really used as much as I'd like, but, you know, you can have contractors on there, you can assign them tasks, it goes kind of right into their workflow, and you can have a nice task summary on all the current, you know, whether it's maintenance or CapEx projects or just different things. Uh, and the, the tenants can very easily submit maintenance requests and they can kind of go right into that workflow. So, um, but I, so I use it for the, for the task, but not so much on the, the contractor, maybe I'm doing a big renovation, but that's kind of uh, an area I'd like to in the future really utilize it for that. Right. No, that's good. And something you were talking about with the direct mailer is the CRM. What are you guys using for a CRM to keep all these leads organized and keep track of all of them? So currently using Podio. Uh, it, it's really, uh, it, there's a lot to, a lot of capabilities in the system, uh, but it, it's also, it, it's a little bit cumbersome, you know, so it, it is free software and yep. it's very robust, uh, but it, it's, it, you almost need to hone it down a little bit to, to make sure, you know, it's getting the actual information you want, but there's, it just has so much capabilities. You kind of all, and I know there, there's different people who've kind of made a, a variation or, you know, an overlay on, on Buildium or excuse me, on, on Podio, uh, that, that really works well for them for their direct mail. So, you know, being a free one, uh, you know, that, that, that's where I am now. You know, some of the, the higher versions, whether it's a, a, an overlay on Podio or, you know, a, a different uh, CRM. I know, you know, in the business world, you know, Salesforce and these other huge robust CRMs, I don't think in the real estate world, you really justify, you know, that kind of expense. But, you know, still looking for the right tool um, you know, just for, for the CRM as I do continue to do more mail ca campaigns and look to scale in the future. Yeah, no, that's good. I use Podio as well for my direct mailers uh, as a CRM to just kind of keep track of everything because it, it gets out of control, especially when you're sending out thousands of mailers, you know, you need to keep track of all this info. So that's, that's another good tool as well. Uh, you, you mentioned partnerships. You got a few LCs, you got a partner. Let's talk a little bit about partnerships, how you found your partner and how you guys structured that uh, partnership together. Sure. Uh, that's a great question. I do have a philosophy on partnerships, uh, really that, uh, you know, uh, they say that the toughest ship to sail is a partnership. And I truly do believe <laughs> that, you know, when you have the more moving parts and maybe the more people involved, you know, the more things that can kind of go haywire on you. So um, for me, I, I, it's actually written, I, I've written a, a four page vivid vision on, you know, on, on projecting out three years and where I see, you know, Miller Capital real estate going. Uh, and one of the, the explicit things we write about partnerships is that we do every deal with the, the least uh, number of partners possible. Um, you know, added complexity, added partners, uh, you know, it really, in a lot of cases, only complicates things. But uh, so, you know, the, the, the one partner I do have in most of the property, I'll say, you know, 23 of the 32 units are just, you know, my wife and I uh, in our LLCs. The one that I do have a partner on he was actually a guy I met at a, a real estate investing club meeting. Um, and it, it's, it's a small world. He actually uh, previously worked for the company that I currently work for. And <laughs> he left a, about two days uh, before I started my first day. Uh, you fill his position? No, different, different <laughs> group, but yeah, almost. So, uh, so you know, we kind of had, had the engineering background. He's in uh, actually it's a nuclear, uh, nuclear operations um, locally here. Uh, and just really high character. Uh, you know, so, you know, from my standpoint, I, I really, I wanted a partner who you want the partner who you feel like you need to keep up with them to, to be doing your, your half the work. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're a very good partnership, you know, the, the work ethic is, is there on both of our, our sides. So it's just a simple um, LLC company, 50, 50 ownership. Uh, we do try to divvy up uh, the work 50, 50. 
Um, but, you know, are looking at ways if in any given year, we do kind of have, have those, those points, you know, it, it's very difficult to say, you know, in a given year on a given set of properties that you're exactly 50, 50 on who's doing the work. So, you know, do you want to have those checkpoints? You know, we definitely meet at least probably talk weekly and, and, and meet in person, you know, at least pre COVID, uh, you know, try to meet monthly uh, just to talk over stuff. And I always ask that question, you know, do you feel like I'm, I'm doing 50% of the work? And in a lot of cases, we actually both feel that the other person is doing more than 50% of the work. So that, that's really a good spot to be in. Yeah, no, that is. You're not at each other's necks being like, hey, listen, you're not doing anything. I'm, I'm front loading everything here, you know. That's good. Sure. Awesome. And, and, you know, and I know people partner for different reasons. I mean, we both, uh, you know, have had some resources. And, and so it wasn't necessarily, you know, he brings the money, I bring the knowledge kind of thing. We kind of both uh, brought some experience. He'd been doing it for longer than, than I have. He's built, uh, built actually a, a, a vacation rental uh, cabin from the ground up. So, you know, really solid on the construction side, on the rehab side, uh, that that's really up his alley, uh, very handy. And I'm kind of more on the, on the CEO, you know, financial side of things, uh, making sure the big picture, um, you know, we're, we're headed where we, where we want to be going. Awesome. That's great. I, Greg, did you have anything else you want to get into before we go off to the next section? Anything you really wanted to talk about or touch on, or you think uh, we hit a decent amount of points today? No, I think we hit a decent amount of points. I guess I did want to say, um, for me, I, I, uh, when you look at growth, uh, you know, getting to 32 units and now, you know, 50 units, I, I know I, I, I do really um, just try to consume a lot of knowledge. I actually, you know, I, I think I was telling you offline, I, I listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast. I kind of started with real estate right when bigger pockets started. So I listened to episode one kind of when it was live released. Wow. And so I've, <laughs> I've grown with the podcast, but you know, I listen, I, you know, I'm up early, I'm listening at, at two times speed and I've actually just recently finished, um, you know, from episode one to episode, I think they, it was in the three sixties. That was my fourth time through bigger pockets. I, I just, I wow. didn't want to miss any of those, those good tips. I mean, and, and you know, me as a beginning investor, it may hit me a certain way, but now with my experience, uh, you know, really just wanted to glean, you know, even if it's just one tip, that may be exactly what I need to hear now. So, uh, you know, I really, you know, just wanted to mention that, that, um, you know, really to, to put in the time uh, to, to be able to have the know-how. And then I, I, I think a lot, um, I, I listen to a lot of, a lot of different podcasts and a lot of, you know, read a lot of different um, real estate related books. And it seems like apartment buildings are where everyone wants to go now. You know, it, yeah. it's kind of, everyone's, not only does everyone is everyone a syndicator, but they have their syndic. You know, they, they want to train you to be a syndicator, and uh, so I, I'd really take a little bit of a contrarian view to that. So, you know, when everyone's um, zigging, I want to zag a little bit. Uh, and yeah, really, that's good. I, I found the the small, the single families and small multifamilies, uh, you know, are really to continue to double down on what I know uh, and and just to keep that direct mail machine flowing. Uh, I do think. The closer you are to a direct investment, the more control you have, uh, and, and really, you know, the more the more you're getting those returns. If if you know you get these these syndications, and syndications can be great, and I do want to go there. I think that's kind of the next level for me, um, but I don't want to rush uh, to get there. You know, cap rates, you know, being as low as they are now, and, and really, it's it's an, a very interesting time. So interest rates are are great now, um, but you know, cap rates are relatively low. Uh, and the market's still relatively hot for for apartments. It certainly was, you know, kind of, um, you know, pre-COVID as we're talking now, and it's really starting to ramp back up. Even in the local market here, it seems like you know it's it's delayed the the peak 
Uh, but now it's, you know, it, we're rocking and rolling. It seems like, uh, you know, everyone's got, got money they want to spend and looking to, to bid up, you know, everything in sight. So, you know, really just wanted to, to keep putting in that work. I do think, you know, if there is, uh, you know, kind of a, a blip in the economy and, and, and a second wave of, of the coronavirus or whatever that may look like, uh, that there's going to be an opportunity. So definitely talking to capital partners, you know, uh, getting my relationships and systems strong so that if there is an opportunity, really look to take a, you know, scale up into the, you know, a true apartment syndication and really, you know, um, a lot of units very quickly. Um, but it takes a lot of, you know, uh, support to, to build that infrastructure, you know, before, before you need it. Right. No, that's good. Okay. Awesome. So we're going to switch over to the next section of the show. It's called the curious cues. So I'm going to throw some questions at you and you're going to answer them. First question, favorite podcast. Well, besides yours, of course. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I get that all the time. <laughs> so I've got a couple. Um, the, the bigger pockets podcast is, is great. Uh, I really, uh, I've kind of grown with it. I feel, um, feel very, uh, you know, partial to that. Um, I, I really like, um, one called the creating well show with Jason Hartman, um, a little bit more, um, tactical, bigger economic, uh, things. Um, so those are probably the two, um, I kind of listen to a lot, but I, it's, it's a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of real estate podcasts, a lot of, uh, um, you know, business and general podcasts. So, uh, it's all great. Uh, all great knowledge. Okay, great. Uh, favorite book you like reading? So I'm, I mentioned the miracle morning that was kind of uh, transformative for, for me. So uh, miracle morning by Hal Elrod would, would be one. Uh, I'm really big into system. So getting things done by David Allen, kind of having an overall life management system, you know, the, the um, it's called getting things done, the art of stress-free productivity. So, you know, that's really what, what, what I'm after personally, at least. Uh, right. So I really like that one. On the real estate side, I mentioned um, Gary Keller and Jay Papazon, um, millionaire real estate investor. Uh, that was one I really liked. And uh, Brandon Turner's book on managing rental properties. I really do yeah, use great. that system pretty much to a T. So I am really uh, heavy on the audio books. My wife gives me a hard time. She says, I don't need audio books. I can read. Uh, but you know, <laughs> for me being, you know, working full time with the kids and, and, and everything else, you know, uh, getting those, uh, those audio books sometimes that, you know, one and a half or two times speed, you know, really, um, just gets me to, to where I need to be. I, I do, I am kind of making a, 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 really a push. I read a ton. Um, so I, I'm just looked it up for our conversation here. And last year I read 53 nonfiction books. Uh, That's and this great. year we're yeah. about, about halfway through the year and I'm already at 23 nonfiction books, but uh, you can, you can read a lot, but that's not really the goal, right? You know, the goal is to, to exercise. Yeah. So I'm really looking to, to maybe even consume a little bit less and just to take that, that time and focus it into, you know, implementing, um, you know, and, and learning those lessons and making sure I'm carrying them forward in my, my business and personal life. That's good. Okay. Biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome in real estate. Well, it's, running out of money uh, was probably <laughs> the biggest one you know you, you, you want to grow and you're set up and you have good off, off market deals coming in and you need to be able to, to take them down uh, and really it's it's just being persistent uh, you know I, I mentioned that that portfolio of four single-family houses it was a bear to get to the closing table it really was I mean it, it took about six months uh, and you had a very difficult seller uh, it was confrontational, didn't get along with the bank I was using to finance the property. And, you know, it, it could have uh, gone off course and, and seemed to many times. So just being 
you know, absolutely, you know, persistent and tenacious uh, to to, to kind of um, keep keep making sure we're we're headed towards that finish line. Good, good. Okay. Favorite part of investing in real estate? You know, I love it all. Uh, what what's not to like? I, I think one thing I, I really like doing is is giving back. So. Um, you know, I think of the analogy, you know, when, when you've kind of, not that I'm at the top of the mountain, maybe I'm, you know, I, I'm at a plateau that where, you know, I feel like, um, you know, getting some, some good positive steam, but you know, throwing that rope down uh, for the next investor, you know, there's a lot of people who are looking to get started and, you know, and are where I was, you know, six, seven, 10 years ago, uh, and really helping people kind of get started and scaling and just talking to young, ambitious people. I do say, you know, on, on bigger pockets, I'll go to coffee with uh, with anyone once. You know, I'll give half an hour, an hour of my time, you know, to talk real estate and kind of see what people are about. But they kind of have to earn the second meeting if if they're looking for some insight and some connections. I really need to see that they're willing to to take the lead on it. They're not just looking to, you know, get the get the, the cheat code, if you will, uh, to right. get there because you know it, it takes takes that hard work to really get there. So the people who I see that in, you know, love uh, pouring into. Uh, to them. I actually have a, a goal of myself to, you know, lifetime goal kind of thing to, uh, to make 10 millionaires, to really be an active part of, of making 10 millionaires. So um, I didn't, didn't mention this, um, you know, in the, in the meat of the conversation, but I've also really gotten into the passive investing. So I've done uh, passively invested in a couple syndications. So, you know, really, um, uh, you know, I am now an accredited investor. Uh, so, you know, being able to look at those kind of deals, but, um, but being able to, you know, talk about that with, with younger people and, and really just, um, you know, try to share that knowledge and, and really, um, you know, uh, pass that rope down, as I said, uh, it gets me really excited. That's great. Okay. And favorite part of investing? Well, it's, it's the, it's the art of the deal, right? It's, it's, yeah. the chase. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the excitement. You gotta, you know, you gotta get a call coming in and it's a, you know, it's a perfect property. So it's really just tackling that deal putting the deal together, get it creative. You know, really what I, what gets me excited is problem solving. So, you know, the seller has a problem trying to find out, you know, what's really behind their need or desire to sell and then making that deal. Yeah, that's great. Favorite non real estate related hobby. I think I know what it is, but I'll let you say it. It's golf. Uh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, obviously a lot of time with, with a family, you know, like it's been, been brutally hot here. So, you know, going out on the pool deck and hanging out and swimming with the kids you know, getting that good quality time in uh, is great. But for me, if I've got free time, or even if I don't try to make make free time to play yep. golf, you know, a game I picked up in my late 20s, but I probably play 50 times a year now, uh, really just to keep growing. It's, 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 a, it's a game that you never master, right? And it's and a it's, networking thing too, right? Well, we can tell ourselves that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. And, and it's, a, it's something you, it's for life, right? It, it's, it's great to connect with friends. It's great to, you know, connect with people about real estate. It really is a, a game that's, it's just, it's the pursuit, um, you know, of always getting better. And that's kind of what I'm about. So it, it fits perfectly with that. That's great. I like that. Uh, newbie advice of someone that's looking to get started or they're already started and they're looking to scale a little bit quicker. What advice would you give them? I really think it's, it's all about, you know, consistency, uh, consistency and persistence. So, you know, being consistent and persistent. So, you know, it's not, you know, you put in some hard work and then you, you let off the pedal. You really need to just, just keep at it. Uh, and, and, you know, that snowball, once you start to get that positive momentum, you know, it can really go quick. Um, but you do have to put in the work, um, you know, and, and start and, and take action. You know, I, I've yeah. kind of created it myself, you know, just, 
always taking action. You know, it's not, you know, up front, maybe I was, you know, kind of heavy on the analysis paralysis, but you know, now I just, it, it's natural to me when a deal comes in, it's not even a question. I don't know where the money's coming from. It's just, okay, it's a good deal. Fits the criteria, have that clearly defined and uh, let's figure this thing out. So, you know, um, being, being ready to pull the trigger and figure it out on the way, you know, you can, uh, you can build the parachute on the, on the way down, so to speak. You don't need to, to have everything, you know, perfect. No deal is perfect. There's always wrinkles. You know, you, you can have the best laid plan. Um, but, you know, Mike Tyson says everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And, yeah. And in real estate, <laughs> you know, that certainly happens, uh, happens to us all the time. So you need to be uh, able to adapt to, um, to whatever uh, uh, challenges you may face. That's great. Okay. And last question, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, uh, I'd like to say, you know, sitting on a beach, making all this passive income. So I really do. Um, <laughs> I, I think as I, you know, I, I want to be, um, the term is uh, front row dad. I want to be a front row dad. So, you know, my kids are still young now, um, but they're going to be in school and they're going to be, you know, playing sports. So I really see myself, you know, potentially, you know, continuing to systematize and, and doing real estate. Um, you know, it may look like backing off from my W-2 job. Uh, at some point, you know, kind of the early retirement. And, you know, ultimately, I, I've got some pretty lofty goals. Um, you know, I, I, I there's a um, you know, set a personal goal to, um, to get to $100 million net worth. So, you know, that's a that's a lifetime achievement kind of thing. So right. just keep making forward progress to that. Uh, you know, see, see, you know, seven year um, uh, passive income at some point. So really just trying to continue to grow towards those. And it's really not about, you know, the, the end goal. It's about the journey to get there. So just, you know, make the most of my life and continue to, uh, to be better every single day. So, you know, 10 years is, is a long time. And uh, I think I can do, do a lot of that, you know, in the next 10 years. That's great. All right. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Where can someone find out more about you or connect with you? Yeah, I'm probably not as uh, my, if I had a marketing consultant, they wouldn't be very happy with my, my <laughs> efforts of, on social media. I'm really not on social media at all. I do have a, a business website, uh, so that's MillerCapitalRealEstate.com, uh, and there's a contact us page. Uh, people can get a hold of me there. I do have a business email, uh, just MillerCapitalRealEstate at gmail.com. You know, if people want to reach out, certainly can talk to people there. And then my bigger pockets profile. Um, you know, I, I do respond to all my bigger pockets messages and really try to you know help um, whether it's, you know, network with, with, you know, people in the market. That's how you and I met, but really that's how I found my leasing agent. Just want to get out there and, and provide value for people. And, you know, just love talking real estate. Awesome. All right, Greg. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, we'll be talking soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Dante. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.